Welcome to episode number 245. On today's episode, I'm going to be walking you through what we are doing prepping-wise on the homestead for the garden, and not just vegetable gardening, but actually what we are doing for our flowering medicinal herbs this year. I am super excited to be adding a ton to the homestead, and I'm going to share how I'm going about adding those in, the things that we're doing right now, as well as an update on the weeding things that I put in last year to help keep the weeds down and how it is working with those strategies as we almost come up on a full year from when I first implemented it. Welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast. I'm your host, Melissa K. Norris, best-selling author of three books, including the newest book, The Family Garden Plan, Grow a year's worth of sustainable and healthy food, as well as the founder of the Pioneering Today Academy. And I am so thrilled to have you here with me today. This is a spot where we talk about all things homemade and homegrown and using those old fashioned and traditional skill sets in our modern lives. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, you probably have heard me evolve over the years. Can you believe the podcast has been around you guys since like 2014? We're almost old school here. But you've heard me evolve from talking about with my garden where the main focus was on food production. So it was vegetable gardening and fruit gardening and raising as much of our own food as possible and each year increasing so that we were having one more crop that we were raising a complete year's worth of that I never had to buy from the store for our family of four. Now, I'm still doing that. That's still very much a part of our practice and what we do with our gardening. But I realized there's this whole other avenue of gardening that I wasn't enjoying and I really needed to bring in. And that was flowers. Now, some are for beauty, some are as pollinators, some are companion planting, and some are for natural medicine. And almost all of them have some of those, all of those benefits kind of rolled into one. So I would say in the past Three years, really, I have put a lot more focus on adding in more flowering herbs, using more medicinal herbs that I've been growing myself and really deepening that, and also creating layers, not only with those plants that serve those purposes, but also areas of beauty. And some of those areas just, I've done wild seed mixes just because I want to see all of these gorgeous flowers. Now, I've got some previous episodes you may or may not have listened to that you might want to dive into where I talk about some of this. One was designing a cottage garden that had forgotten medicinal and edible plants. And that was with Carolyn from Homesteading Family, episode 186. And another episode was number 178. And that was natural weed control and heirloom flowers in the garden with Shay Elliott. The reason I'm bringing them up is definitely listen to this episode first, but you might want to dive into those if you're particularly interested in those topics. They're great. But those were done almost a year ago, and I've implemented a lot of the tips from those two episodes. And I kind of want to share with you how they're influencing what we're doing this year in the garden and the results of that. So first up is the natural weed control. 
So last year and a lot of my flower beds, as well as half of the vegetable garden, I implemented using wood chips. So you may be familiar with back to Eden style gardening. A lot of people will talk about that. And that is using wood chips as mulch that you don't ever have bare ground and that you keep adding these layers of wood chip wood chips, excuse me, on top of the soil and it breaks down, it works as weed control and it creates really good, healthy soil. It was made popular by a gentleman named Paul who actually lives in Washington state. I've never had the privilege of getting to meet him or tour his gardens, but that's kind of where this really took off. Now there's lots of different methods on doing uh, sheet mulching is also sheet composting lasagna gardening, it kind of is all very similar, just a little bit of different nuances and people's particular um, medium that they like to use. Some people like to use shredded leaves. If you listen to the um, more recent episode that I had with Joe Lample from Joe Gardner, he talked about doing the no-till gardening and he really likes to use the shredded leaves. That was episode number 232. Um, Some people like to use straw, some people will use hay, but Basically, you're creating these mulch layers so that you don't have bare dirt and it helps with the weed control. It also helps create better soil and it can help with evaporation of water in the summertime so that you're more conservative with your water and the plants don't dry out as fast. All these great benefits. But I really wanted to see how was this going to work for weed control because in the past, Everybody, I think at one time or another in your gardening journey, you buy those rolls of like weed blocker fabric at big box stores and you put them down over the bare dirt and then you plant your plants and you put some type of mulch down. Well, if you're lucky and I've put down multiple layers of this weed blocker fabric and tried different brands, if you're lucky, you won't have weeds come through that for maybe the first season, maybe the first few months. But I don't care where I've put it down or how many layers, it never fails. I always have weeds grow through that weed blocker fabric. It does not work. (laughs) Nor, as it breaks down, is it really feeding your soil at all. So I never even bother with that stuff anymore. But just thought I would lay that out there. Because in the past, that's how I had done gardening beds. And then within just a couple of years, they were totally overrun with weeds. And I was super frustrated And I just would get mad. In fact, the one bed in the front of our house, I just kind of gave up on (laughs) and um, probably didn't weed it for about two or three years because I was just super irritated and didn't do anything with it. And it was just a bunch of perennials. It was in the north facing really deepest shade area of the house. It wasn't any type of our food production. And I just let it go. But then every time I drove into my driveway and saw said garden area or little bed at the front of the house, I'm like, this just looks horrible. And we're our own worst critic, but I'm like, I want my home, both the inside and the outside in the gardens, like I want it to be a sanctuary. I want it to be somewhere where when I pull in and I come home or I walk into my house that it and I find it beautiful. Now, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Amen. So that's going to look different to all of us. But when I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, I've got to do something with this area. Well, then I got to do something with that area. So I spent, I'm not kidding you, and in probably a good three whole days, I split it up over a weekend. And one weekend, it was both all day Saturday and almost all day Sunday after church. And then the next, it was Saturday. And like, I work out regularly, you guys. 
like I lift weights. I do hit training. <laughs> like I lift hay bales as well. I feel like I'm in pretty decent physical shape, but getting that whole garden bed weeded out, oh my goodness, kicked my behind. I was so sore. But after I put all that work in and I got all of the grass out and the buttercups and just all of the weeds that really don't have any benefits. Now, some weeds have benefits. Dandelions have some great benefits. Stinging nettles have good benefits. But the buttercups in the grass, they don't really have a whole lot of benefits. So that was the major part that I was ripping out. And it felt so good after I got them all out. And then my hostas and all of these different little plants I had in there, oh, they just looked so great. But I'm like, one, I'm never going to let it look like that again. But two, I've got to have a way of keeping on top of it because I do not have three full days like to to devote to that. I mean, it probably was close to 20 hours. I kid you not that I spent on this because I'd let it get so bad. So I went and got a whole bunch of wood chips and got it all weeded really down. And this was fairly early in the spring last year and then mulched it really heavy with the wood chips. And then I even added in some new plants like I added in an apricot foxglove. Foxgloves grow natively here and they're beautiful, but we have the white ones and then we have kind of a dark purple and then we have like a mauvey pink colored one. So we didn't have this peach apricot and I thought they were beautiful. So I ordered in a few new plants to keep me motivated and some more pretty flowers that will grow in the deep shaded area that this is at. But then I also continued this method. So with half of our vegetable garden, I put down a layer of cardboard last year and we did wood chips on top of it before we planted. And it's still that way almost a year later. Um, This summer will be a complete year. So I could really document soil health. I did soil testing and I'll do it again after a full year to just see the different implications and how I liked it. Now, as far as the weed suppression goes, I did this in several other beds. And where I had aired in the past is you have to keep adding the layers, especially when you're doing wood chips or leaves or straw, whatever, they break down, which is good because that feeds our soil and our plants, right? But if you don't keep adding these new layers, then it just breaks down into dirt and a compost and the weeds are going to quickly come back in when that happens. So I made it my mission last spring, so almost a full year, that I would spend a certain amount of time weeding and keeping on top of it. And the great news is I just went out to these beds. Now, I have not touched them since this fall because we've had snow and freezing temps and the ground's been frozen and, you know, everything's in its dormancy, including, for the most part, the weeds and the grass. So I went out and I walked that bed and several other beds as well. This weekend, we had um, a little bit of sunny weather, not overly warm. It was kind of in the high 40s, which felt pretty warm. Um, And you guys, there were very few weeds. There was a few buttercups and there were a few things of grass. And so I spent probably seven minutes pulling out them. And this time of year, before they've really started to grow and send the roots down deep again, plus we've had a lot of moisture, both rain and snowfall, the soil is pretty loose. And so it's really easy to pull all of these things out. So I got very little time, got all the grass out in that area. And then I have another bed where I'm going to be adding a lot of my medicinal herbs that I'm putting in this year, which we will be talking about shortly. And I spent some time, probably total on both those, no, 
two, three beds. <laughs> I'm trying to remember how much I did in one day. Probably about an hour total between three beds. And some of that was even just deadheading and, and taking off flower plants that I had let die back to feed the roots and hadn't gotten to removing them from the garden and that type of thing and, and pulling them out and kind of refreshing everything. But it amazed me because in just one hour, I have those three beds were done. Whereas last year, it took me almost 20 hours and that was to do one bed. So my key takeaway, the reason I'm sharing this with you is just spending being diligent. And there were some days like I didn't weed every day, but I would just make it a goal that once a week I needed to hit these different areas. So I would kind of rotate through. And so one day I might have really only 10 or 15 minutes and it was like 10 or 15 minutes to spend in this area, but staying on top of it and devoting really less time overall not only was it more manageable for me throughout the spring and the summer and the fall months with everything else that's going on, but it has made a huge difference on the amount of weeds that are now present and that are coming back. So I know if I, and I can continue that pace, and I know if I do so that even next year, I should have even less weeds. So I'm really, really pleased with using that that method. And part of it is continuing with the mulch and adding those mulch layers each year as it begins to compost down. But really the other part was just being very diligent and working it into the schedule and doing small bits often uh, rather than saving it up until it got really bad and then hitting it. So don't take the procrastinator route when it comes to keeping those weeds down. But it's really made a big difference. And not only in the amount of weeds, but I really feel like the vigor of the plants that are growing as well, like they're really, they're spreading the ones that I want to spread, right? Those perennial plants and some of them are spreading and they just look so good. So I'm super excited. But the other thing is I'm adding in a lot of new medicinal flowering herbs this year to the vegetable garden. Now, you may or may not have caught the YouTube episode that I did where I shared about cold stratifying your seeds. So you can go and catch that. I'll have it in today's show notes, which you can grab at mosquinoris.com forward slash 245. But you can actually go and watch that tutorial on cold stratifying your seeds. But real quick recap there, cold stratification is we are mimicking nature. So in nature, you have a lot of herbal flower seeds, not really so much with our annual um, vegetable seeds, though sometimes with carrot seeds, some of your biennials. But if they the plant goes to flower, which creates our seeds, right? And those drop to the ground. For a lot of these, if they drop to the ground in the fall and we have some warm days and they sprout, unfortunately, as soon as that hard frost comes, it's going to kill them all. And then the plant just dies. It can't reseed itself, right? So God has worked into our wonderful nature system where the seeds protect themselves and they have to go through so many weeks of being at a cold temperature before they will germinate, before they'll sprout and they'll actually grow. And so when we're starting a seed indoors, and we're starting this plant from a seed that hasn't grown in our area where it hasn't been outside all winter long, then we need to mimic that and do the cold stratification. So we need to put the seed into a moist and wet cold environment, just like if it was going through the snow or cold rains during the winter months. And then when we bring it to room temperature and plant it, it's like, oh, it's springtime. It is safe for me to grow. 
That's basically what we're doing. But there's kind of a little bit more um, actual hands-on tutorial part in that video that you can go and check out. So I have been doing that with these seeds that require it. Now, not all do. And some of them will grow without cold stratification. But some of them, if you put them through that cold stratification process, you'll have a lot higher rate of germination, meaning that almost all of the seeds that you plant will sprout. Whereas if you don't do it, uh, maybe only half would sprout. So you're just kind of upping your chances that more of them are going to grow for you. So the ones that I am putting in this year, I have a lot of varieties that we're putting in and some of them are they're going to be beautiful. And I'm super excited to just see this explosion of all of these different blossoms growing in my flower beds. But the main reason I'm putting these in is because of their medicinal properties. So the first one that I'm putting in now, I know a lot of areas of the world in the United States, some of these may grow naturally or native in your area but they don't here, which is why I'm planting them. And the first one is yarrow. Yarrow doesn't actually grow here. I don't know that I've ever seen it outgrowing wild. So I'm really excited to grow yarrow. Um, one of the reasons is my daughter has a blood clotting disorder. So she has von Willebrand's disease, which means that her, her clotting factor, it's not hemophilia. Um, I'm very thankful for that. It's not as severe as that. Um, but she has, it takes her longer to form a clot when she gets a cut. And then that clot is not as strong um, as mine or yours or someone who doesn't have um, this particular bleeding disorder. So I'm excited to be growing yarrow so that we have that on hand to use that way um, because it helps with clotting. So it's yarrow. One of the things that's known for is it helps to stop bleeding. Now, I'm not a certified herbalist. I am not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional. So please do not take this as medical advice. It is for information and entertainment purposes only. I feel like I have to say that anytime just to make sure we live in a crazy world. So I always just want to make sure that I'm pretty upfront about that. Um, but I also want to be able to share information with you guys. So there we go. Um, these other ones that I got, I'm really excited about. I found a new seed company, which I'm not sponsored by in any way, shape or form. I placed a pretty good sized order with them, though. So if they wanted to, you know, send me a, a package or some extra seeds, that would be totally cool if they're listening to this. But it's a seed company out of Oregon and it is called Siskiyou Seeds. And what was really cool is they had a herbal medicinal section where you can order the seeds that was a lot more robust than I think I've seen very little. I don't know if I've ever actually seen an, a seed catalog or an online website that had where it said medicinal herbs and it had as many options as they had. So the ones that I got to put in this year are valerian, hyssop, feverfew, whorehound, holy basil, wood betony, and marshmallow. Now, quite a few of these do require. Oh, oh, I almost forgot. The other one is ashwagandha. I got ashwagandha. I'm so excited. I don't know if you can tell from my voice, but I'm super excited to be growing and putting all of these seeds in. But some of them are perennials and some of them are annuals. So some of them, after I get them growing, they will just come back for me year after year. And I love my perennials for that factor. But other ones of these are going to be ones that I will need to be growing each year and hopefully the majority of them will read seed themselves or I'll just need to be seed starting them each year and planting them out. But I know I'm always curious to hear what other gardeners are growing. And so I thought that I would share that with you. And I will be sharing more about how we use these and that type of thing. Um, inside the Pioneering Today Academy, we're starting a deep dive 
where each month we really go into depth on both growing and harvesting and then the medicinal use of a specific herb. But I'll also be sharing some here on the podcast and on the blog and, of course, in YouTube videos with you guys. And I'm kind of doing a bit of a test. Can you tell I'm a te- I'm a tester? Like, I, I geek out about this stuff. I love to test because, one, I want to see if there is any difference. And if one way is easier than the other and I they both have the same outcome, oh, my friend, I'm going the easy route every single time. So with quite a few of these seeds, including the yarrow and the marshmallow, I am cold stratifying some of them indoors. Um, Actually, there's a lot that I'm cold stratifying. Um, The yarrow, the marshmallow, the wood betony, the valerian, the hyssop, I think, and the feverfew. And then some of them I just scattered outside. So at the time of this recording, it's March 2nd. And so we still have quite a few weeks left of of frost that will be coming. So I scattered a whole bunch of them out in the areas where I do want them to grow. And then the rest I'll be starting indoors. So I'm going to kind of see how, you know, how they sprout, how they grow. And hopefully the ones that I scattered outside will grow and sprout and do really, really well. Because then that means on some of those annual ones that I won't have to do the process of growing them indoors anymore. But I wanted to make sure that I have them this year. So I am taking the steps to start them indoors just to make sure. But I'm kind of testing for future years. So I will keep you posted on how this little experiment goes. And if you are wanting more information about growing your own organic backyard fruit and vegetables in the garden... I am doing the organic gardening workshop. We are doing another live preview. It all starts this year on March 18th. So for six days, you get to watch all of these videos for free on growing your own food, but you do need to be registered so that I can send you the links each day to watch the videos as they go live for 24 hours. So go to melissaknorris.com forward slash workshop. And you will go straight to the page where you just pop in your email and then you'll be registered and you will get all of the links as soon as the videos go live in order to watch them. I am so excited. We're going to be covering seed starting, crop rotation, companion planting, succession planting, cold frames, so many great things, not from myself as well as other teachers. So Jill McSheehy of The Beginner's Vegetable Garden Podcast is going to be doing an awesome session on raised beds. Marjorie Wildcraft is doing a session. So much fun stuff, all for free. So make sure that you go and snag your seat. I can't wait to see you in there. And thank you for joining me on today's episode of the Pioneering Today Podcast. I will be back here with you next Friday. 